This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Brian, John, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. That's right, Geek Gab. For Saturday, April 30th, 2016, you may notice that I'm off to a very, very rapid start today because we have, I am gonna, gonna guess, gonna go out of a, on a limb here and guess we have all kinds of things that we need to talk about in very, very little time to do so. Today's episode is about the Hugo Awards, the Hugos burning in the flames of controversy. But before we get to that, I want to announce that as of last week, Geek Gab is now available on SoundCloud. The audio of the show is available on SoundCloud. Now, the reason why we put the show on SoundCloud is because it allows us to create a podcast feed, the link to which is in the description below, so that anyone who wants to listen to Geek Gab can put that URL in their iTunes and subscribe and download all the available episodes of this show. To listen on your iPhone, to listen on your iPad, to listen on Amazon, or excuse me, uh, yeah, on Amazon devices if they support podcasts, to listen on Android devices, on Windows phone devices. So you can listen to the show just like you would any, any, any podcast that is brand new. Now the shows will be released an hour or two after they go up on YouTube, so check out the link below. That also means, for those of you that are listening on SoundCloud, and you can listen, by the way, live on the site itself, you don't have to just go through the podcast feed, you can listen to it live on SoundCloud, search for Geek Gab. Also, that means that we will once again have to start putting in the little bits of information so that people who get this through podcasts can know where to go. So the Geek Gab homepage is is.gd, which stands for is good slash Geek Gab. That will take you to the home page for the Gab. All of the other all of the other information is in the description below and uh, we will put that in the show at the end to talk about the sites and things like that. Um, you can catch us on Twitter, you can catch us on our personal sites, and you can catch us now on SoundCloud. Username Geek Gap. One other announcement 
One other announcement. One of my co-hosts, Brian Niemeyer, is a finalist for the Campbell Awards. And I'm going to let Brian talk about that because I'm sure he's all kinds of excited. Indeed. I'm excited to be nominated for this award. My readers, I'm grateful to science fiction and fantasy fans in general, and in particular, those who took the time to fill out the clunky, antiquated ballot for the Hugo nominations. You know, it took me like a few sessions over a couple of days, but uh, you know, no offense to Mid-American, I'm sure they're, they're working with what they have, but uh, hey, thanks to everyone who voted, thanks to everyone who has read my work, and those are the other nominees, and we'll read it, and I've got an announcement regarding that. I've been asked to include selected works of mine in the Hugo packet that those who sign up to vote in the Hugo Awards in August will receive, and have submitted two works, First of all, Strange Matter, the story that first appeared in Sci-Fi Journal number three, which actually qualified me for the Campbell. And second of all, my full novel, Nethereal, in the second edition, will also be available. So readers have that to look forward to. And I really liked your short story. That was a great short story. We, uh, we, we talked about his short story on Geek Gab in one of our first, like, fourth or fifth episodes. Has it been that long? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, this is the 51st episode of The Gab. Wow. I feel so old. <laughs> hey, congratulations, Brian. That's great, uh, great nomination. Thank you. I appreciate uh, your support. And, of course, Jason's you guys are giving me a platform here, letting me have some fun every week. So it's a win-win. What I find most amusing about the Campbell Award is that it absolutely is not a Hugo Award, but it's administered by the Hugo Awards people. It's voted on the same ballot as the Hugo Awards. It's awarded in the same ceremony as the Hugo Awards, but it is absolutely not a Hugo Award. Yeah, it's called uh, the Hugo that is not a Hugo, right. Uh, it's actually not administered by Worldcon. It's administered by Dell Magazine's. It's been around since 1903, the, the Campbell has. But in, in many ways, I don't know, it seems like a, the folks at Dell might have their act together a little bit better. It's probably, be, it's probably because I don't think the Campbell rules are as subject to change every couple of years, unlike the Hugos, because with the Hugos, to change the rules, you just got to show up to the business meeting, which really just entails buying and attending membership to the con, and if a motion is passed two consecutive years in a row, as I recall, then it's ratified into the Hugo Constitution. So there can be a lot of flux and paroxysms and, and changes. But um, I don't know that the Campbell nominating rules just seem to make a bit more sense to me. For example, that is why Andy Weir is eligible for a Campbell, but not a Hugo this year. So, those of you 
who are listening to the show, who have kept track of the Hugos for the last few years, will know that there are, well, some controversies surrounding the Hugos. And many of them are, in retrospect, quite amusing. And many of the nominees for this year, or at least a couple of the nominees for this year, are hilarious. So we're going to be talking about the controversy surrounding the Hugos and specifically some of the things that got nominated this year that I found absolutely amusing beyond belief. And the fact is, the most amusing Hugo finalist, it's no longer a nominee, it is finalist, the most amusing Hugo finalist of this year is a self-published science fiction short story by the name of Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Wait, what? The seminal work by Dr. Chuck Tingle, which proves once and for all that love is real. Space Raptor Butt Invasion. And in case the title of this story misled you, it is a science fiction gay erotica featuring a dinosaur. <laughs> It has been described to me as being a less preachy left hand of darkness, which is a classic science fiction story. A less preachy left hand of darkness with, of course, exponentially more gay raptor space sex space raptor butt invasion now you're going to ask me daddy warpig how is it physically possible that there could be anything serious about this. Well, I have a very good answer to that question. But in order to give that very good answer to that question, we're going to have to go back for just a little bit as to why this story got nominated, how this story got onto the ballot. We've talked about this before, so I'm going to summarize this as quickly as possible. Starting in roughly 1995, uh, one of the chief editors at Tor, who is the largest publisher of science fiction and fantasy works, began doing a process of what they called log rolling. Log rolling is where a group of people, in this case, analysis of voting records, suggests it's about 40 people. 
one year, and, and let me back up. The Hugos have a very, very small voting base. It is limited to people who are attending Worldcon, the World Science Fiction Convention that year, and people who buy supporting memberships. And the votes for who would win or not win are so scattered that if you could get together a small group of people, you, can, you could, in effect, determine who would win the Hugo. So starting in 1995, one of the publishers of science fiction, one of the editors at this science fiction publisher, Tor Books, began working with about 40 people to do what they call log rolling. Log rolling is where this year I'll vote for you so you get a Hugo. Next year you vote for me so I'll get a Hugo. Since 1995, Tor Books has won 31%. 31% of best novels have gone to Tor published novels. Despite the fact there are almost a hundred publishers publishing science fiction and fantasy novels, fully a third of them have been captured by Tor. Which as is well quite as editor uh, as well as other down ballot awards. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that, but I wanted to point out the thirty one percent sounds pretty impressive, but when you actually consider that it's twice as many as any as the next highest publisher has been awarded, I really think that puts it in perspective. The uh, so this log rolling was suspected for a long time. In fact, Harlan Ellison, the infamous Harlan Ellison, the cantankerous grandpa of science fiction, in 1995 was doing a series of short commentary pieces for the Sci-Fi Channel, the real Sci-Fi Channel, SCI. FI, and he announced in 1995 that both the Hugos and the Nebulas had been, in effect, bought. He announced in 1995 that the Hugos were compromised, that it's possible, he suggested, in his usual inimitable style, that earning a Hugo would not be as prestigious as it once was. And, indeed, a straight analysis of this last 15 years of Hugo's has shown that the quality of works that have won Best Novel have, in the main, with a few exceptions, declined sharply. Reaching a nadir with the publication of some Star Trek fan fiction that won a Hugo. So, several years ago, three years ago, Larry Correa started Sad Puppies to point some things out about the bias in the Hugos. Sad Puppies got bigger and bigger, and last year was joined by a different separate group of people organized by the cantankerous uncle of science fiction, Vox Day. The infamous Vox Day. And Rabid Puppies, as it was called, last year dominated nominations for the Hugos. In an absolute travesty, the Hugo Awards, a block vote of 2,500 people, voted no award. This is the largest block vote ever in the history of the Hugos. 
is, I mean, 2,500 votes is more votes than most of the Hugo Awards got any year, other than Best Novel. Yeah, so I've had... this is massive. Yeah, just just to back up what you're saying, I've had discussions with past Hugo winners who have told me that they're, they only needed like 19 votes to be nominated. 19 votes was the difference between them getting on the ballot and not. So that shows you how small it used to be. My category this year, the Campbell, got 1,900 votes. So that shows you what the, the puppies have done to you know, increase the visibility of, of the Hugos. So last year, 2,500 blocked votes. 2,500 people magically, spontaneously voted in near-total unison on every single Hugo category. It's shocking, it's amazing, it's astounding, and in my humble opinion, it's actually impossible. But that's just my opinion. One could suggest that this was the result of sock puppets, of bot votes, but because the voting ballots unusually have not been released, one cannot prove that potential allegation, nevertheless, it has been suggested. People have said that. In any case, they voted no award in five different categories to block the rabid puppies from being able to claim any Hugos. By the way, this was... One of the stated goals of Vox Day to use his own group of people to vote no award and thus invalidate the Hugos. And in order to defeat Vox Day, these co-conspirators did it for him. And are still today, literally today, literally Saturday, April 30th, someone posted an article, a blog post, claiming the no award strategy as a victory for the enemies of Vox Day. <laughs> That's absurd. And suggesting, because this is the critical part, the rabid puppies have once again dominated the nominations. The exact counts differ by one or two, but the one I've seen most often is that of, out of 80 Hugo nominees, 62 of them are picks by rabid puppies. The only exceptions appear to be when either someone withdrew their nomination because they were nominated by the rabid puppies and did not want to face the backlash that many people last year faced or in the case of the best novel which is the the premier hugo it's the hugo that has the most prestige and so it's the one that typically every single year gets the most votes that particular hugo um had two nominees that were not part of the uh, of Vox Dave, the Rabid Puppies, and analysis by uh, a usually 
a, a usually reasonable middle-of-the-road site who does some solid mathematical analysis indicates that's because the rabid puppy vote, which he put at about 300 people, was not sufficient to uh, carry that category entirely. So this is the setup. This cabal, this clique that has for 15, 20 years dominated the Hugos, challenged by the sad puppies who haven't moved the needle much in nominations, then challenged by the rabid puppies who have heavily dominated the nominations. Space Raptor Butt Invasion is a nominee from the rabid puppies. And you may think it's a joke. I don't, I, I have a position on this. I have an opinion on this, a two-part opinion. The first one is this, and this is the simplest one to get out of the way. There's a lot of politics involved with this. The group, uh, the clique that controlled the Hugo nominations through log rolling is generally what is known as social justice warriors or SJWs. They have a, a insincere, hypocritical left-wing views. That is to say, I have a lot of, uh, left-wingers that are friends of mine who are sincere in their views. These people, social justice warriors, advocate for left-wing causes, but in effect don't actually implement them, which is why last year's block vote of 2,500 people nominated and voted for, or voted for one, 100% white people except for one Asian man who would have been a rabid puppy vote. 100% white people, this from the advocates of diversity, whereas the sad puppy slate, which they attacked as being racist, had many, many people of differing politics, sexuality, race, so on and so forth. Insincere, hypocritical, political people. Their opponents, the rabid puppies, I believe, Vox Day picked Space Raptor Butt Invasion because of several reasons. One, yes, it's it's erotica, it's porn. But they can't vote against porn because so many of the works that they've been championing for the last 30 years were also erotica or porn or contained heavily sexually explicit elements. So they can't oppose Space Raptor Butt Invasion on that fact. Plus, Space Raptor Butt Invasion is gay porn. So if they oppose Space Raptor Butt Invasion, these left-wingers are homophobic by their own standards. And so on that level, it's a direct poke in their face. It's a direct slap at their politics to where anything they do to oppose this nomination violates their own political beliefs. And you have seen, I have seen, a couple of different posters, a couple of different blog posts from supporters of the clique saying we should triumph, we should champion, we should support space raptor butt invasion because it's so progressive. Not only that, I've seen them trying this weird, I don't know, gaslighting attempt where they seem to pretend that Vox didn't know what Space Raptor Bud Invasion was about or what kind of book it was 
and thought perhaps that he not nominated it by mistake, and are basically saying, ha ha, joke's on him, because this is gay erotica. And I once again, we're going to do exactly what he wants us to do and vote for it. Now, like, like I said, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, like, uh, you know, I, I second John's hearty laughter from a moment ago. The more serious point behind this is this. A couple of years ago, there was a story called If You Were a Dinosaur, My Love. It's an absolutely atrocious story. It, it, John C. Wright says it's a competent emotional tone poem that succeeds in doing what it wants to do. I respect John C. Wright deeply, uh, but I disagree with his assessment. I think it's an abysmal, atrocious story. It's a five-paragraph long short story, and it's all about how evil Southerners for some reason, beat up and kill this guy, and the entire story takes place in the hospital with a woman sitting by the bed of this man who is dead and imagining him becoming a dinosaur and killing the man who, well, the, who the Southerner, killed him. The, to be fair, the story explains that the Southerners beat him partially because they were the, under the influence of alcohol from having been drinking gin at their pool hall all night. So... Absolutely atrocious story. Nominated for the Hugos, nominated for the Nebulas, won a Nebula Award, did not win the Hugos. John C. Wright, of whom I spoke mere moments ago, knocked off an insanely better version of this exact same story. Woman, man, South, man killed by racist Southerners, turns into a dinosaur and kills them back. It was called Queen of the Tyrant Lizards, and it is an insanely brilliant time travel story. And well, you better still. Yeah, it, it's a time travel story, so it meets the basic requirements the Yugos are supposed to have of having it's, some speculative element, which if you were a dinosaur, my love, does not. It's actually science fiction! Yes. Queen of the Tyrant Lizards is actually science fiction. If you were a dinosaur, my love, is not Science fiction! It, it, it doesn't qualify! It's a daydream of a woman in a hospital that's not science fiction. But here's the point. Here's where space, raptor, but invasion comes into it. The same people that supported Queen of the Ti the same people that supported, excuse me, if you were a dinosaur, my love, said it was the most brilliant thing that had ever been penned by the hand of a man, of a woman in this case. But that Queen of the Tyrant Lizards was such atrocious trash that merely by reading the title of the story, it induced spontaneous fits of bloody diarrhea and projectile vomiting. Couldn't believe how bad John C. Wright's short story was. So here's where Space Raptor Bud Invasion comes in. It is physically impossible, logically impossible, excuse me, I meant logically impossible, not physically impossible, to say that if you were a dinosaur, my love should have been given a Hugo. But that Space Raptor butt invasion absolutely must not because it's low quality and 
Queen of the Tyrant Lizards absolutely must not because it's such low quality. You cannot logically support that argument. That Space Raptor butt invasion is too bad. It couldn't be given a Hugo because it's such crap. But the queen, that, that if you were a dinosaur, my love, oh, it's so br brilliant, so beautiful, so effulgent, it must be given a Hugo, but Queen of the Tyrant Lizards is crap. It's crappy, 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 crap. Can't be given a Hugo. You can't say that. It's not a position that can be logically supported. And because if you were a dinosaur, my love was so praised. But Queen of the Tyrant Lizards wasn't. Queen of the Tyrant Lizards was published in a book called Feasts and Seasons, an anthology of John C. Wright stories published by Vox Day. So, I believe that part of the reason that he chose Space Raptor Butt Invasion was to display and encapsulate perfectly the hypocrisy of this clique of political ideologues, insincere and hypocritical political ideologues, to show exactly how bad their picks for the Hugos are and exactly how many good, worthy works they have overlooked because of politics by showing, by demonstrating their hypocrisy through picking this story, I believe it is a troll pick. I didn't nominate it, but I think it's amusing to me. It's funny to see the consternation among the clique at a story which perfectly pokes at their weak spot. So, that took a lot more time to cover than I thought it would. Well, and if we have time, I, I agree with what you said about Space Raptor. However, I don't think it's quite perfect. The optimal nuclear option to expose the hypocrisy of the, the Chorps and the Puppy Kickers, I would say there are two works actually on the best related work ballot that achieve the logical rhetorical kill shot, and those are Safe Space as Rape Room from the Castelli House blog and the story of Moira Grayland, which both unmask the, the history of both child sexual abuse in the sci-fi community and also the blind eye that was turned toward it by the fans and the people in charge. And those two are tactical nominees because, if you've noticed, the reaction of the puppy kickers, yeah, they've been complaining across various legacy media, but it's not nearly to the extent of like the entertainment weekly hatchet job. Korea and Brad Torgerson racists and called Sarah Hoyt a sexist, for example. You haven't seen them go full potato, as it were. And that's because, and as I've found, all you've got to do is point to those two works, which show a very dark and, frankly, evil undercurrent to this community. It showed something that's been 
festering isolated fever swamp for decades and it is finally seeking to drain it. Let, let, let's back up for a second. Sure. Because I want I want to... Um, those of you listening, if you don't know what fandom with a capital F is, fandom with a capital F is not everybody who loves science fiction and fantasy. Correct, and I was cap- trying to verbally capitalize it. Thank you, and please continue. Fandom with a capital F is a small group of people um, who, starting in uh, the 50s or so, formed a, an isolated subculture away from most of society um, through, con- through going to conventions. Uh, and these are the conventions that eventually became the Worldcon conventions. They were bohemian. They had a lot of uh, derision and contempt for mainstream society. And they really, truly loved science fiction. Because back then it was primarily science fiction. So they developed their own subculture, their own in-jokes, their own um, their own traditions, their own musical traditions, costumes, parties that, different styles of costume parties that haven't happened at different conventions, things like that. It, it's uh, a whole subculture. When George R. R. Martin last year wrote about the real, quote-unquote, real fans of science fiction, he was talking about fandom with a capital F. And all of the science fiction authors that you know of have at least, you know, been peripherally involved in fandom. These are the people who run Worldcon, these are the people who are all the volunteers at Worldcon, the so-called secret masters of fandom, and who have been doing this for decades, literally decades. Now, within this, this fandom is and always has been bohemian. They were very, uh, had very different sexual views. Long before the sexual revolution hit, they had already, most of them, or many of them, had already uh, adopted the morality that the sexual revolution pushed. Inside this fandom, and I want to make it very clear that this is not all of fandom. This is not all of the secret masters of fandom. It's a small group of people who nested inside fandom and used fandom to mask their their activities and depended on fandom being hostile to the straight society. They used fandom to deflect attention from some truly evil and horrendous and heinous and vile stuff, which I do not want to talk about on this show. It is stomach-churning in the extreme. It is not for the faint of heart at all, folks. You, You do not want to hear about it on this show. If you want to learn about it, then please... Check out the Hugo-nominated works from this year. Moira Greyland wrote a story. She is Marion Zimmer Bradley's daughter. Marion Zimmer Bradley, a very, very prominent female science fiction and fantasy writer. Um, and Walter Breen, Marion Zimmer Bradley's husband, she is their daughter. And the things the two of them did are atrocious, but it demonstrates when these, when the truth of these things came to light, so much of fandom, the capital F fandom, did not want to admit them, did not want to uh, 
did not want to shine a light on it, did not want to expel these people from their midst. It is the biggest failure of fandom in its entire history, in its entire existence. Also, covering the same area, so Moira Greeland was present for many of these events and suffered the same abuse as a child that many of the other people suffered, and possibly even worse. Safe Spaces Rape Room, which was a five-post series on the Castalia House blog, and Castalia House is Vox Day's publisher, also discussed these issues of a cabal, a group of pedophiles that had nested itself in fandom, also covered many of these things that happened and some other ones with other different people, and is nominated for Hugo this year, and this is the most damning condemnation of fandom, is that of all the reactions to the Hugo Awards that I have seen, none of them, none, not one, have taken on Safe Spaces Rape Room or Moira Grayland. I believe it's my name is Moira Grayland. To condemn the activities that they describe, they ignore them. They pretend they don't exist, and they focus entirely on how much they hate Vox Day. And I think, to be perfectly honest, if you ignore these activities, you enable these activities. If you are in fandom, and you go to these conventions... And these conventions are very, very small. They're tiny, 5,000, 6,000 people. And real open conventions where all fans, not fandom, but all fans are, are invited have 60,000 plus just in Salt Lake City. The very first year, uh, Salt Lake City Comic Con had 100,000 people. 100,000. Meanwhile, World Science Fiction Convention had between five and 6,000. So that lets you know how small fandom is. It's aging, it's graying deliberately because they deliberately are not inviting to outside people and the Hugo is their award, which shows you why they're so angry at other people coming into the Hugos, despite claiming that it's for all fans, it's not. And they're ignoring the very real, despicable, violent, literally actual violence, perversions that went on in fandom because they've been turning a blind blind eye to it for decades. And none of them, none of these people in fandom, capital F fandom, have addressed what's going on, and it is shameful. Here, here. Um, we are, well, we're about ten minutes over time, but that's, that's my fault. Um, do you have anything else... Uh, any other comments, Brian? Oh, I, I could go on for the rest of the afternoon, but I know people have other things to do than listen to a really crazy sci-fi author, as we all are, talk about himself. So I'll just say thanks again. Looking forward to the upcoming awards very much. I'm going to have to get a tux. And uh, I think I'll get a limited edition Chuck Tingle t-shirt to wear under it. <laughs> So that should elicit some comments. Do you have any any uh, any closing comments, John? Hey, uh, once again, good luck on uh, 
on that nomination. I hope you do it. And uh, you heard it here, gay dinosaurs. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, I, I will point out again that I'm up against Andy Weir, the author of The Martian, who I think, frankly, would be vindicated if he won the Campbell because the book itself was disqualified from uh, winning the Hugo in past years due to I mean, some of those rules idiosyncrasies I was alluding to. But also, you know, the, the anti-puppy no-award ballots are already being circulated um, like a list of puppy-free voting guides that pretty much strike anything that was supported by the sad rabid puppies off. So if that uh, cabal of 2,500 block voters shows up again, well, that's pr probably not looking too good. But um, again, it sounds cliche, but I mean, I was happy just to be on the sad and rabid puppies lists and to know that people even knew my work existed. Uh, to actually make the short list, I'll, I'll just say if this is as far as I get, I'll be perfectly satisfied, and nothing is going to stop me from continuing to write stories that I enjoy writing, and that lots of other people seem to enjoy as well. So there you have it. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in to uh, Geek Gab for Saturday, April 30th, 2016. The Geek Gab homepage, for those of you listening on podcast, is is.gd slash geekgab. You can catch uh, Brian on his blog, which is briannehemeyer.com. Uh, if you go to YouTube, that link is in the uh, description to this video. You can catch me, Daddy Warpig, daddywarpig.com. Huh. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Uh, and even though we are abandoning you for today, don't worry. We will be back.